Well, if you've got your Bibles, you can go ahead and uh, access those either on the phone or have you access those. We'll be in 2 Corinthians today. If you're not familiar or don't have access to a Bible, the, uh, the passages will be on the screen behind me. And so we, uh, we're moving toward the back end of this series we've been doing called Pursue Peace. We've, we're in week four. We've got one more week uh, after this. And we've been laying this groundwork and framework of like, you know, one of the great things about following Christ is that we actually get to have peace in our lives. We get to pursue this peace. And we've been building this framework out of Psalms 34, 14, where it tells us, turn away from evil, do good, seek peace, and pursue it. And we just remind ourselves each week that, you know, this is not about trying to make a way to God. That's not pursuing peace. It's not about trying to, to get things right with God. God has already done that. It's actually coming to terms with this idea that the ways of God bring peace in my life. That as I allow his truths to play out in my life, there's peace. Peace shows up. And uh, it's coming to terms with the idea that there is a God, this good and gracious God who created us, and he wants good and gracious things for me. And when peace evaporates in our life, everything else kind of evaporates too, right? It just seems to fall apart. And this pursuit is, is made easier, as we've talked about over the last few weeks, when we have some anchor points to hold on to in our life. And that's what we've been talking about are these key anchor points. We've talked about self-control, being able to learn that I can actually control who I submit myself to and that submitting myself to God brings peace. We've talked about honesty and how actually speaking honestly creates a guard in my life. It, it defends me. I'm not having to defend my version of the truth, but the truth actually defends me. And last week we talked about a tough one, which is forgiveness, letting forgiveness reign in our life. And we talked about that in our groups this week about how we've got to be, you know, we just can't crimp and cut off God's forgiveness. We have to be willing to accept it and express it. That's how it's fully engaged in our life. And when these things aren't there, it is just like peace goes away. It's like we're, we're falling off of a cliff with, with nothing to hook onto. And we've talked about, shared some different ways and that sometimes peace just seems to disappear in my life, whether it's waiting for the kids to get home, you know, and like not sure situationally, all kinds of different things. But this week I had one of the, I'm sure you probably all had of these days. It just, I woke up and like, it just didn't seem like a good day. Like you woke up and like, man, something's not right. And, uh, whether it was the weather, my attitude, what I had for dinner, not sitting well with me or not having a morning cup of coffee yet. I mean, it was just those kind of things where you're like, and you go out the door and, everything starts to go against you, right? Like the day is working against you. Like I walked out, I didn't know it was raining. I didn't want to, one elevator in our building was working, which was already an issue. And I was like, I don't want to go back upstairs and get the umbrella. And so I'm like out in the rain. And then of course I get to the subway, I'm going down. And as soon as I'm going down the worst side in the world, you know, a flood of people coming out of the subway. I've just missed the subway. And as much as I enjoy the new countdown clock at the seven train, when I walked down there and saw it, it said 16 minutes to the next train and I'm like this is not going to be good because it's morning like it is going to be packed right sure enough train pulls up and like I you know we're squeezed on this train you know don't even need to hold on to anything it's just odors and feelings that you don't want to have and like it just you know first 30 45 hour of your day you're already like oh my gosh I met Chase later that afternoon and we go to get some coffee and I said that we order we go sit down and I, I think they call my name I go up we ordered two cappuccinos where I kept, they weren't there. I was like, I thought they called her name. And well, I look over, 
guys at the table are drinking two cappuccinos with the name Chase on there. And I was like, they took our cappuccino, you know. I, I was like, the, the world is working against me today. I had to wait a whole extra four minutes for two more cappuccinos. Unbelievable, right? I mean, but then we also have these great days that seem like for no reason things just go good. And I, I had one of those days this week, too. I, like that day that was like 62 degrees. I was like, walking on sunshine. You know, I was like, this is amazing. I just felt the weather felt good. I felt good. Stopped it. I drink a lot of coffee. I stopped in another coffee shop. And, like, I got a coffee. I, the lady got a coffee. She was needing stuff. I was, like, handing out lids and all this stuff. I'm like, I'm like, who am I? You know, but it's just like sometimes we don't think, like, what is it that takes the peace out of our life? And it kind of goes to what we're going to talk about today, this anchor we're going to talk about today, which is sacrifice. It's sacrifice. I think sometimes those crazy days get bad because, you know, I, I think the world's out to get me. This is my day to lose. I'm not willing to sacrifice, so I'm going to fight against this. And I start looking at everything as a win-lose situation. And we're going to talk about sacrifice this week and how this concept plays out in our life. And when we think about sacrifice, maybe one of the first things that comes to our mind is like, you know what, I don't mind sacrificing a little bit but I can't sacrifice too much because if I do, it will cause my life to actually be less peaceful. I'll have less stuff, right? If I sacrifice too much money, too much time, too much energy, too much focus, then I'll end up the one that doesn't have enough and that I'll be lacking, and that certainly doesn't build peace. We kind of come up with these ideas. We We think this way because we often think that sacrifice is about giving something to someone else and getting nothing in return it's you know it's the idea if i if i gave to every homeless person that i saw it wouldn't be long until i'm homeless so i'm in that situation so you know that's what i if that's how we coordinate and think in our minds of what sacrifice is it's just a constant giving 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 with nothing in return we're going to limit our understanding but i want to help us this morning understand what biblical sacrifice is what it's really calling us to do because it's actually something very different it isn't about just giving up everything you have so that others will have more. It isn't about giving money to a good cause so you don't feel quite as guilty about just how good you have it. It isn't about making a token donation to a needy cause so you can at least say, I'm doing something. Biblical sacrifice is not as much about letting go of something you have. Instead, it is this. It is about letting, learning to transfer the benefits of God's blessing in your life to the life of others. It's not getting rid of them. It's transferring them. It's not about a withdrawal from one account and then a deposit into another account and you are feeling empty. Instead, it's about a transfer of the wealth of grace that we have experienced and we've received and sharing that grace with other people. It's letting something that has come in go out because we know that there's a promise that when we give, God continues to give to us. We have a rule in our home when we buy new clothes. Sometimes we abide by this rule. Sometimes we don't. We really try to. But if you buy a shirt, you got to get rid of a shirt. Like we, do, we don't have enough closet space to like have 18 shirts a piece. And so it's this, you know, if you want something new, if you want to experience something new, you got to let go of something old. And we donate those. We give those away. And I was just thinking that's kind of this idea that it's, you know, it's transfer. I, I'm not getting rid of this and I'm using it to bless somebody else because a new blessing has come in to my life. 
And when we learn about biblical sacrifice, we actually become a dispenser of grace to other people. And that we are constantly being refilled by God's grace in our life to dispense it out to more people. It's the way it works. And this is what 2 Corinthians talks about here. This is in this key passage that we're going to look at today. It's going to lay the groundwork for how sacrifice actually brings peace in our life. So we're going to look at 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8. And again, it'll be on the screen as I read the verses together to start with. It says this. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will then reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his own heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. So these verses lay out the process of transferring this wealth of grace that we have experienced to other people. Let me give you a little give you a little background on this passage and what Paul's writing here. This is the Apostle Paul writing this to a church in Corinth. And he's, he's prepped this by saying there's another church. There's a church in Jerusalem that is in need, need financially. They need other things. Would you consider taking up a gift, a financial gift, and sending it to the church in Jerusalem? And, and why is this? Because the church in Jerusalem, the Christians in Jerusalem, are probably in one of the toughest spots to be a Christian during that time. They are, you know, the, the conflict between the, the new Christian culture, the Jewish culture, the Roman culture at that time made Christians ostracized. They were left out. They were being disowned by long-term family. They're, no one would hire them. They were being singled out, and they were in need, desperate need. And Paul is writing to other churches and say. Help your brothers and sisters. What you have been blessed with, share some of that blessing to others in need. He's talking about sacrifice. And I love what Paul does here. While he's, he is asking for money, he takes this from an ask about uh, just a task of giving money to instead about understanding this topic of sacrifice in our life and why we should do this. It's not just because somebody is in need. It's because it's actually what we were designed to do. We were designed to be these dispensers of grace to transfer this out. And so let's talk about this principle of transfer and grace. How does this actually play out in our life? This idea of biblical sacrifice being a transfer of grace, how does this play out? Let's see how Paul describes this here. So he, he lays it out. And I want you to understand this is not a complicated formula. This transfer of the wealth of grace is not filled with paperwork, tax forms, dividend statements, all that kind of stuff. We... This past month, Katie received a small inheritance from her granddad. And I feel like we've actually spent more money trying to get the transfer of the money than we're actually going to get the money and all the paperwork and the time. And we had to call a lawyer friend of ours, like, how do we fill all this out? Like, our, our culture, our banking system does not make transfer of wealth easy. But transfer of grace is one of the easiest things we can do. It's not a complicated thing. It doesn't require lawyers, bankers, brokers to make this happen This type of sacrificial transfer that Paul describes is simply needs a recipient, a willing heart, and a tangible response on our part. So let's let's look at four principles he lays out here. And the first one is this: is for this to happen, you got to make some big investments. It's like make some big investments. Biblical sacrifice isn't seeing about how little you can do for someone, but instead about seeing how much you can do for someone to clear out room in your life for more blessings. Like verse six says that. If you reap sparingly or sow sparingly, you're going to what? Reap 
sparingly. But if you sow bountifully, sow as much as you can, you will then reap bountifully as well. And sometimes, you know, we get caught up and say, you know, I already gave this month. I already did something for somebody today. Like I've checked off this box of sacrifice. And we do this in relationships all the time, don't we? Especially in our closest relationships, whether it's friends, family with our wife, our kids. Like, you know, I gave in last time. I bent last time. It's your turn to bend this time. It's your turn to sacrifice. Like I did mine. Now it's your turn. And we play the seesaw game. I don't know if you've ever done this in your relationship, but right. I mean, it's like I did it this time. Now it's your, and we're just back and forth and back and forth. And we're, nobody's really sacrificing. We're just giving a little bit of leeway for each other. And we're just playing this game until somebody gets tired of the game and they jump off and everything goes smashing down. And this is why he's saying, look, make big investments. So bountifully sacrifice bountifully. Look, if it, it means you got to keep doing it every day. Do it every day. You got to forgive your spouse. Forgive your spouse. You got to sacrifice to do something for your kids. Sacrifice to do something for your kids. You got to give up something for somebody else. Do it. I mean, you know, I struggle. With, I, if, I'm, if I'm on that long run on a subway and I can get a seat, you know, I do that thing where I, you know, I gave up my seat last time, so I'm just going to keep my head down so nobody makes eye contact with me and then, some elderly lady gets on there and, you know, she's standing right in front of me with her cane. And like, I'm like, all right, I got to get up. You know, I can't not. But we, we get this idea that just because I did something before, I've done enough. And Paul's saying, look, you can't out-sacrifice God. The more you sow, the more you will reap. The second principle is found in verse 7, and it's this. Take some big risks. Biblical sacrifice isn't about playing it safe. It isn't about minimizing your risk, making sure you get enough return on your investment. Instead, Paul says for us to not, to not let our head be our guide, but let our heart be our guide. Look at verse 7. It says, each one of you must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly, not out of compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. He's saying, look, take a risk. Go with your, go with your gut. You see somebody in need, you see a way that you could sacrifice for somebody else, do it. Take a risk. You know, this is, it's like going into a casino and putting everything on black 13 on the roulette and praying that it hits, right? And there's going to be a big payoff, and sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. And this is what we've got to talk about here is this idea that sometimes we're going to make a big risk. We're going to make a big investment in somebody's life, and it's not going to hit. It's not going to work. There's still going to be anger or bitterness there. Maybe we're still dealing with some forgiveness, but I'm willing to continue to sacrifice for them so that healing can come. And this may sound insane. It may sound reckless, but that's exactly what God's grace is. It's indescribable. It's reckless. It is a miracle. And when we make big risks with grace and sacrifice, it actually models Christ to people. The third principle is, is this, is that we've got, as we do this, we have to stay connected to the source of grace, which is God. As soon as I make this concept of sacrifice and giving a tool of self-promotion and boastfulness, I have cut myself off from the source that is actually allowing me to be a dispenser of grace, and I will run out, and the joy of giving it will run out so quickly. Verse 8 says this, God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in what? 
all sufficiency in all things and in all times. It's all. It says it four times. It's all. He's got it, and he is, he is the source of everything. The time that I get most frustrated when I have to sacrifice is when I'm doing it out of my own power, expecting something back. That it's like, you know, I'm going to do this for you, and I'm going to do these three things. I'm actually playing this game. I'm setting up this chess game. I'm going to do this, this, and this so that it pins you in a corner, and now you have to do this for me. And we play this game all the time. And it's not just a seesaw game sometimes. Sometimes it's a chess, chess mate, our chess match with those that we love the most. And we're trying to outsmart each other. And we get tagged. And I'm going to do this. And we're doing this out of our own. And we've forgotten. This is, God didn't play chess with us. God just came in and said, you need help and I'm here. I'm here. And that's how we stay connected. It's not about getting something in return. It's about actually spending the grace of God extravagantly. PJ and I had a talk this week about, uh, you know, I, they have a credit card that they can use uh, in, uh, you know, in emergencies and stuff like that. Uh, January, PJ spent a little bit more on the credit card than, uh, than he was supposed to. And so we, we just had a conversation about that. And the conversation, I was like, you know, wh- who do you think pays for this? You know, wh- he was like, I actually didn't. I don't know. I know you pay for it, but I, look, it was just $3 for a sandwich here and then $4 for this here, $4. I was like, yeah, but look at this big number. And he's like, yeah, I was like, so how are we going to pay for that? And he, you know, looked at me, and we, we figured it out. But, like, that is not a good financial practice, but it is a good spiritual practice. Spend God's grace. Don't hoard it. God's got more grace than, than we can ever spend in a lifetime. It's okay to let it go. You don't have to hold on to it because you are connected to the source of grace. And then final principle is this, is that grace does pay dividends. It does. We said earlier that God's grace is indescribable, but it's also immeasurable. The way that you and I truly go deeper and deeper into the depths of God's grace is not to hold on to the little part that we have, but instead to go deeper, to let go. And this is what it says at the end of verse 8. We do this so that you may abound in every good work. You can abound in it. The next thing is more and more and more. That's what abound means. And many of us don't experience the depths of a meaningful relationship with God because we have held on to the crumbs of his grace instead of feasting at the table of his grace. We just get a little bit and he's like, oh, that's mine. I'm going to hold on to it. I'm not going to let this go. We just, we, we guard it. And instead, God's like, no, 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 no. I'm glad you enjoyed that, but I've got more for you. Let that go. Let somebody else experience that. I've got more. I, I uh, growing up, growing up in the eighties, one of the things we used to do on the weekend was go to the arcade. Like we didn't have the consoles at home, like the PS. We had like an Atari twenty six hundred with one joystick and all that stuff. But we would go to an arcade, and it, you know, lots of games. There'd all be all the new games, and occasionally, for whatever reason, a game would have a glitch, and it was like free play, right? I mean, it was like. And if you happen to come across that, like you can play, I can play Asteroids for an hour, you know. Asteroids wasn't my favorite game, but it was free, you know. So I'm back there spending all three hours like playing. And my, my friends are like, hey, come on, there's this new game. Go try this out. And I was like, no, no, no. They're like, why are you on Asteroids? I like, Shut up, get away. You know, I was like, it's free, it's free. And I'm just doing this one thing. And like, I have cut off my joy of actually experiencing new things because I'm just stuck on the one thing that I think this one thing, just because it's free and it's easy, I've got. And this is what we do with God's grace. We get a touch of it. We get a taste of it. 
And we hold on to it and we think, there can't be. Look, is there anything better? I don't know. I'm not giving this up. But the truth is this. Just like, in that, like my parents had given me a roll of quarters to go play with that day, right? I went home with that roll of quarters instead of actually using that to bring me joy. Going experiencing something new. Stepping out and experience a, a new game, a new perspective. And I want to tell you, God fills your life up every day with more grace and more mercy than you can spend in a lifetime. Don't hold on to the crumbs of God's grace. Don't think that you've got to feel guilty and shame. You've got to do something to make God throw you another scrap. He is inviting you to the table of his grace. I don't know if any of you read C.S. Lewis. I, I was introduced to C.S. Lewis in, uh, uh, you know, as a child with the Chronicles of Narnia. And uh, maybe you've read Lion, the Witch, in the Wardrobe and all that stuff. But the last book is called The Last Battle. And it's actually this culmination of this, you know, incredible story. And there's a quote that comes right at the end as uh, this character. He's like actually beginning to experience it. And, and here's what he said. He said, I have come home at last. This is my real country. I belong here. This is the land I have been looking for all of my life, though I never knew it until now. And it's this picture of like, finally, God's grace is home for us. It's where we feel most at home. But some of us get into that land and we stop. And the quote does not end there because here's what then Aslan, the, the lion, the picture of God says this. He basically says, now, great, come further up, come further in. It doesn't stop. Just because you have experienced the grace of God's salvation, he's now saying, come further up. Come further in. There is more for you. But as you experience more, would you turn around and give to those that are in need behind you? This is sacrifice. It's a tethering that we have tethered ourselves to God and we are experiencing the incredible grace of God, but we're feeding that same rope of grace to those behind us. This is why sacrifice brings peace and stagnation brings death. Stagnation is the opposite of sacrifice. It's when we hold on and we stop. So my question for you today is this. Have you stopped in your grace? You're holding on to the crumbs of God's grace and thinking that that's it and I, I can't even give that away? Would you today let go and trust God that as you let go, He's going to call you to come further in and farther up and to grab hold of more. And as you grab hold of more, there'll be a day you hand that off to somebody else. And it's this process of grace becoming grace in our lives to be expressed to others. I don't know where you are in here this morning, but I imagine as you come up with this, if we talk about this idea of sacrifice, there's immediate probably relationships that you have in your life that you're like, you know what? This has not been happening there. Maybe it's a broken friendship. Maybe it's at work and you just are like, this guy, this boss, whatever, is just tearing me up. I'm not going to do anything for him. I'm not going to bend. He will break me before I bend. Maybe it's in a marriage. And you just have been at this point where you neither of you just like, you know, hit, 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 instead of actually learning to bend and move and sacrifice for each other. 
and we get caught up in keeping score in the seesaw game or playing games with one another. And my question is today, will you stop the games and the relationships? Will you let go? Would you, even if your partner, if your boss or your child won't make a commitment to sacrificing and transferring grace to other people, would you take that step? Would you begin to be the one that brings peace into that relationship because you embrace sacrifice? Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me this morning?